Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. Today we pick up where we left off with Adam and Field of Serens. In the last episode, Adam left us with a great thought. Let's think bigger and bolder with our voice mobility design than what the consumer expects it to be capable of. It's exciting to, to hear that there are customers out there or there's there's people out there that said, okay, let's try something. Because I think that's the only way that voice is going to succeed is if we do a trial and error. So that's that's wonderful to hear. When you when you partner with these uh, with these clients, is this is this something where you're partnering for quite a bit of time? Um, do they hire you for a little while and then you come back? Like what what would be the return rate? What would be the the progress that you would do? So that that's another area where you've seen evolution in the past few years. Um, anyone familiar with the automotive industry um, at all? Um, will be aware that it's not necessarily well known for being the fastest moving um, industry there is out there. Now, the, the the fact that a lot of times before a new vehicle comes out, uh, all the decisions made about what will and won't be in it and how it will be put together are made, you know, three, four, sometimes five years before the vehicle hits the road. Um, there is an evolution where that's becoming quicker. And you'll see that when it comes to software, including the types of things we work on, that there's more and more capabilities to not just move more quickly, but update things over the air such that um, your technology isn't just released when the vehicle is built and then kept the same forever. Um, so that's one of the big changes you're seeing. And so what that means for an engagement with us and what that means for, from the user's perspective, how long until um, they get to experience what it's working on could still be you know, three, four years in some cases um, where a project may indeed last that amount of time um, but it could be more rapid. It could be a matter of uh, there being an update to an existing system. But they go, okay, we want to, in six months, release a an update that's going to um, bring in a couple new features we didn't get to the first time. Or it's going to improve some things that users didn't like. Um, that they may work with us on a shorter basis for you know more a handful of months to do it. Um, but you know, one of the, the things about us is, is that we are are trying to take the the, the real uh, way the world works into account all the time and be as flexible as possible. So, you know, we, we could, we can and occasionally do work on, on shorter projects that are going to be more rapid, um, but traditionally they are more long scale, you know, uh, multi-year projects. I'm glad to hear that. Cause I mean, I feel that uh, the industry is improving in real time. This is, this is something that you guys are still figuring out. Uh, so it's kind of cool to see, like this trial and error thing going on both like the market side and the industry or the technical side. So it's kind of fun to, I don't know. I just, it seems a little different than, uh, you know, other use cases. Do you have any projects coming up or that you're working on now that you're really excited about, or it's coming up that you can talk about? Yeah. Um, I'll talk to this more so as some of the technologies in particular, because sometimes they're across multiple projects. Sometimes they're specific ones. Um, the ones that, from, from my perspective, focus on, on UX in particular make me excited, but I think that you'll find that the, the sentiment is shared with, with you know, my colleagues across the company. Um, we've, we've been working on this technology for a little while called Just Talk, which is one that I, I geek out a bit about. Um, you know, in, in the voice world, uh, we talk usually about the traditional push to talk. You press a button, the system beeps or maybe says something to you, you speak back, and you take turns. And, and wake up word has become the, the industry standard in all things voice now, where you say the name of the device you're speaking to or some other phrase that has been selected to wake it up. 
Um, and, and I think that despite, you know, the earliest um, concerns some users had around, uh, well, is it really going to understand me? Do I really want this listening for this word all the time? We found that actually has been really successful and, and from speakers to cars to everything else. Guest talk is, is the evolution of that. Um, I, I like to um, refer to it as going beyond Star Trek. Uh, you know, Star Trek still had the wake up word you know, to computer, but where the system is intelligent enough to, to be there when you need it and not when you don't want it there. Where you are speaking and the system can say, oh, this is directed towards me. I know you're asking for navigation somewhere. Um, so I can confirm or I can start navigation, whatever is most appropriate at the time, without you having to use that wake up word. So you're driving, like get, get directions to uh, Mike's Pastry in, in uh, Cambridge and in Boston. So, um, so it, it uh, can start driving me there. Whereas if I'm talking to someone sitting in the passenger seat and we're talking about where we want to go eat, it knows we're not asking for reviews or directions or booking a table um, until we're ready to do that. So the whole idea of getting rid of that makes it much more human-like. Um, in fact, in a user study we did, we asked people, hey, if you're asking the, the person who's next to you to help you with the task, are you likely to, you know, A, tap them on the shoulder, B, address them by name, or C, start speaking just what it is you need? And assuming it's someone who knows you well, um, you know, found 99% of people aren't going to tap them on the shoulder. 1% said they would still. Um, <laughs> but the others would, would mostly just say what they needed, um, except in certain circumstances. So it, it mirrors with, with human behavior. So that was one technology I want to talk about that, that we'll see coming soon enough where, um, you know, with, with, with privacy concerns taken into mind, with some some very thorough testing to make sure that the false alarms um, and the, the false rejection rates are, are where they need to be, that we'll see more of the stuff hitting the road soon. And, and I think it's going to be a big change. It's going to feel very next generation, very beyond Star Trek um, that I'm excited about. But more briefly, I will say a lot of this multimodal stuff excites me a lot too. Um, I, I studied, I used eye trackers throughout graduate school um, for a long time. And and you know, I can geek out over watching how long someone looks at something and, and their exact patterns of gazing. Not everyone needs to do that, but um, having a voice assistant that you can um, talk to in phrases that are more maybe abstract, more generic, um, especially because when you're driving, oftentimes your mind's on driving, not on formulating the perfect way to communicate an idea. And so for it to know where you're looking, whether that's out of the road asking about something, or whether you're trying to call a contact, you've got a list of four and knowing that you're looking at one, uh, that one, right, that mic. Um, so you don't have to reach and tap it. The ability to bring in these additional modalities, the ability to detect other things in voice, such as your emotion, or if you're angry and you're yelling at it because it's not understanding you, or, or you're frustrated because you don't know you can make the lane change quick enough and you want a new direction, whatever it may be. The ability to use those additional elements that we're seeing make their way into the cars more. Um, that really excites me because I think that breaks down a lot of barriers of usability um, and allows these systems that just suddenly feel more intelligent and, and less like uh, the machines that uh, we feel like we've been talking to for so long. Well, we're sensorial creatures. So we're never in my, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, but even if we're talking to each other, it's not that we are just using sound right now where you and I are looking at each other. Um, but there's, there's also, there's other elements that are around us that's associated with the moment. So like I, uh, you know, it's warm in here. So like my hands are a little bit clammy. I can taste the water that I'm drinking. Like there's more going on. And so um, focusing on a multi-sensorial or multimodal perspective will make it more human-like. So I completely agree with you. 
Is there anything else that you wanted to tell me about that's going on or exciting you in the in the industry? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, this is an area that touches us as well, but we'll talk about in general sense. And, uh, I'm sure another area, if we go to the, the automotive world, you've heard the term CASE before, which stands for uh, Connected, Autonomous, Shared, and Electrification. Um, so those are the four big mega trends that, that we talked about for, for years. Um, and you know, to, to everybody who's not in the industry, they've seen some versions of those in their own lives. Um, whether that's riding in an Uber or whether that is getting a plug-in hybrid or um, even just having cloud connectivity. Um, and, and so even if you don't care about those level, we have to in the industry all the time. Um, I think it's important to think about those. Um, and for the electrification of autonomous vehicles, to touch on those two briefly, um, for the, you know, for electron, for electric vehicles, um, range anxiety is still a real thing. It's going to be for a while. Um, and the improvements we're seeing, uh, many of which were a part of, but others we, we don't need to be part of, it, around helping intelligently plan a route to put the driver's mind at ease to know that they can be where they need to be, uh, take the brakes they need to, to stretch their legs and stay awake, yeah, and all while charging the vehicle up. Um, I think that's going to be huge, and I think it's going to be important um, from everything from those who want to gamify it. I've got a, a plug-in hybrid, and you know, it's supposed to only get 13 miles, but if I can push that to 15, that makes my day. Um, <laughs> to be able to help people figure out how to make them, how to drive more efficiently or how to uh, learn that they're going to um, get really nervous when they're at 50% battery instead of 20% and, and account for those type of things. I think that we'll see that a lot of the way we think about the consumption of energy is going to change with those vehicles, is changing. Uh, and the ways that, that as an industry will get creative around that to make them more immersive, more gamified, more uh, informative are going to be huge. And on the autonomous vehicle front, um, this is what I'll, I'll have to get from to monologue on because it's an, another area I'm passionate about. But, um, you know, people have fear of autonomous vehicles for good reason often um, because it's such a change. And, and until it's a proven technology to an individual, it's hard to trust something that's taking over something so heavily that has such a big impact. Um, but the ability to build trust up in those is going to be essential to their adoption. So you have, you have the algorithmic issues. Can we make this perceive the world and drive safe? And those are being being tackled. You have the, well, are people actually going to want to ride in these issues? And those are the ones that I'm interested in is how do we get them I'm excited to be in these, not, not afraid, but actually truly excited. And how do we build trust in them? And, and how do we help them overcome the um like not, not just the fear but like an autonomous vehicle passing a garbage truck uh, like going on the wrong side of the road can scare someone right? being able to explain why this vehicle is making decisions is going to be almost as important as making the decisions to help keep people in mind so i'm really excited to see the industry not just think about the algorithms for making these autonomous vehicles now but thinking about how we can make them introspective and informative in a way that people will trust them and be able to get information from them to a point where hopefully, you know, not too many years from now, we can think about that. That is the norm where, uh, you know, it's just what we do. It's part of how we get where we're going. When I was a kid, my car didn't drive itself. Like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Didn't even hold its own position in the lane and couldn't yeah. cruise control way back when. It really is fascinating. Um, it is fascinating how far we've come and, uh, and it's exciting to hear where we will be very soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Adam, thank you so much for your time. I've learned a lot and I hope that the listeners have too. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget to subscribe on all the major podcast channels. Share with friends, follow and rate. Spread the word because, well, more people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com or soundofmarketing.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.